Hey, welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast. My name is Matt Davis, and I'm here with my dad, Ron. Hey, we're here. We're back again. Back again. <laughs> Feels like we've been here the whole time. Uh, we are here at the Jewish Road Podcast to do just a couple of things. Number one, as Messianic Jewish believers, we are Jews who believe in Yeshua or Jesus. We are bringing the roots of the Jewish faith to the Christian community, out to the churches. But at the same time, we are also bringing the mystery of who Jesus is, the promised Messiah, to the Jewish people who have entirely missed out on who he's come, who he was, who he was going to be when he came, uh, our Jewish people missed it. Yeah, and and we feel like we are equipping the church to be able to understand their Jewish roots, so they can go out and do that. There's a lot more of them than the two of us. That's right. So uh, we're going to jump into that today, and specifically because of the season that we are in, uh, being in what we would call, the, the Jewish pronunciation is the Christmas season. Christmas. So we are, are going to go through, and we want to talk about some of these themes that are obviously floating around, but uh, especially on the coming and the anticipation and this holy visitation of the Messiah coming, or God coming to earth in human form, which uh, is who we call Jesus. Uh, so we're going to get into that, but just before we get into that, we always like to throw in just a little bit of Jewish humor because we like to laugh a little bit. So do you have anything over there? Across the table? Well, I, I kind of do. Uh, yeah. I can throw something out. All right. There's a story about that uh, uh, goes something like this. My grandfather always told me, don't watch your money, watch your health. <laughs> so one day, while I was watching my health, someone stole all my money. Oh, boy. It was my grandfather. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. I like that. I got one. Yeah. There are two men. They're walking on the street and they meet. And one says, hey, Moish, you have changed so much. Look at you. You've lost weight. You got a facelift. You got a hair transplant. I wouldn't have even known it was you. And the other fella says, I'm not Moish. And the first guy says, Look at that. You even changed your name. Yeah. <laughs> oh, That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and I brought that up because I don't just tell jokes just to tell jokes. That actually has everything to do with what we're talking about today. Really? That has something to do with what we're talking about today? Let me connect it. Okay. When God came here to earth in the form of the promised Messiah, Yeshua, and call him Jesus, he was not recognized by the people he was sent to. Huh. What do you think? Did I connect that all right? Well, eh, not, not he, he was recognized by some. But not for who he was. Today he's not recognized. Well, I, yeah, that's still the problem. So let's jump into this. Yeah. Um, we are going to park just a little bit in the book of Matthew. Now, this is in the second act, and we talk about all of this in terms of all of the Jewish people, they bought tickets to what? They bought tickets to a two-act play. That's right. And they went to the first act, and, and they left. They, they went home, went out to the lobby, got a drink, and went home. They, they read Malachi. At intermission. They read Malachi and said, oh, that's it. That's the end. Although we're going to change the ending a little bit today. Yeah, that's yeah. not exactly. If they read the end, that wasn't it. I know. We'll get to that in a second. And then they kind of left. They said, oh, that was a good first act. And they didn't even watch the second act. 
Meanwhile, the Christians, they bought tickets to what? The same two-act play. The same one? The same one. Oh, so they were sitting next to the Jews there in the first yeah, act. No, no, they totally missed the first act. Oh, they, they missed it. Yeah. Oh. And they went in and saw the second act, and somewhere in the middle, the two groups passed each other in the lobby and never saw each other again. Boy, if you see the second act, how do you even know what was taking place in the first act for the second act to even make sense? Yeah. It's, it's a little tough, isn't it? Well, if you saw the first act, how could you possibly walk out just when the story's getting good and you're going to see the resolution? Yeah. This those is, are the questions. And those are the problems. Those are the problems. And that's why we are here, just trying to figure all of this out. So yeah. let's do this. We are in the second act, which is called the New Testament, also known in Hebrew as the Brit Chadashah. And uh, we're looking here, and now Jesus is here, and he is lambasting the Pharisees. Yeah. If you were expecting uh, a nice story about the birth of the Messiah... They're um, in the manger, and everything's warm yeah. and cozy, the animals and the yeah. shepherds and wise men. Yeah. He's, he's already here, and he's already experienced a significant amount of rejection from the religious leaders, and we're picking up the story in Matthew 23. Now, Matthew 23, there's a confrontation. It's also called the woes, right? Um, yeah, there are seven woes that the Lord uh, pronounces upon the religious leaders who are the scribes and the Pharisees. Yep, and so he, seven times, he is going after them, and the scribes and Pharisees, they've, he says, they've seated themselves in the, in the chair of Moses. Uh, therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and they don't even do them, right? So he yeah. says, woe to you, you scribes and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, you whitewashed tombs. And this was actually a chair that was in the synagogue yeah. in the first century. In fact, when we were in Israel last time, uh, at the synagogue in Chorazin, m the seat of Moses was right there in the front of the synagogue. Oh, I want to see that. You want to see that? Yeah. You did see it. I did see it. Yeah. Well, what if I want to see it again? Well, we'll go. I think, we, I think we're going to go in less than a year. Yeah, it is. We are going. It's yeah. not I think. It, we are going, and it's October 8th, yeah. 2023. <laughs> we will take you to that very synagogue, and we will let you see that very seat. All right, so... Mm. Anyways, we digress. Well, let's the, move forward. The, the seat of Moses or Moses' seat, uh, you know, talks about the fact that these religious leaders had uh, positioned themselves, uh, you know, in a place of authority because that is what uh, the seat of Moses represented. Yeah, so he, he goes on and he's pronouncing all of these woes, you hypocrites, you shut off the kingdom of heaven from men for you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are coming, who are entering to go in. He goes through all of these things and then as we get to the, the end of, of Matthew 23, he says this, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, I'm in verse 29, mm -hmm. for you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we had been living in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partners with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Wow. Wow. Why yeah. do you say wow? Well, because this comes on the tail of his presentation of these seven woes where he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Uh, in verse 16, again, he says, woe to you, blind guides. In verse 23, he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, again. Um, 
and he he constantly refers to the hypocrisy of their lives because as they as we said in the beginning set themselves in the in the seat of Moses uh, they're they're basically setting up an imaginary authority that they claimed for themselves uh, but it wasn't really legitimate uh, because they were adding so many things to it the traditions of men and and so on and really misrepresenting the Torah the law of uh, of the people yeah well they're they're heaping great burdens on the people that they are not willing to to be taking on themselves so he says in verse 31 it says consequently you bear witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets fill up then the measure of the guilt of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how shall you escape the sentence of hell? He's wow. not mincing words. He's not going easy. He's not going light. No. I mean, this is really pretty harsh. And, you know, when when they say all the way back in verse 30, uh, we would not have taken part um, with them in the shedding of blood of the prophets, it's just a ridiculous claim. Right you know, to to their own self-righteousness because they were already plotting to murder the Messiah. Yeah. They're saying, if we were alive, have you ever done this? Like, where you just say, like, if I were alive 2,000 years ago, I would not have missed Jesus. I would not have missed the Messiah. I would have believed. And still, like, you look at these people. You even look at, like, John 6, and, and Jesus is performing miracles, and he's doing all of these great things, and then it's they slowly start leaving one by one, right? And it's it's just Jesus and Peter. He says, "Where's everybody gone? Yeah, they've all left." Yeah. But don't you think if you were there a couple thousand years ago, you would have been one of the faithful ones who were standing there and you were watching him? But there's a whole generation seeing his acts and what he's doing and still missing it. These Pharisees are looking back at the prophets, saying, "Why would people kill the prophets? They're proclaiming the promised Messiah." And the promised Messiah is now face to face with the Pharisees, yeah. Yeah. and they're missing it right there yeah. in real time. Yeah, I, I wonder sometimes. Uh, I like to think that I would be one of those who actually said yes, I believe this and follow. Um, in in that particular culture, uh, they were always trying to catch him and trip him up, um, and so finally comes to a head here, uh, this is just prior to the Olivet Discourse, when he talks about, in the Olivet Discourse, he, he answers the disciples' questions, and he tells them all the things that are going to take place that concern Israel. Olivet Discourse is the, 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 the sermon that he gives from the Mount of Olives. That's where we get Olivet, right. and it's the very next two chapters, Matthew 24, Matthew 25. Right. Okay. And, uh, and and so, uh, you know, this is this is where it's heading, but his, you know, his conflict with the religious leaders who are the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes are actually lawyers. In fact, it probably even says that in a lot of the translations in your Bible. Uh, for example, in Luke chapter ten, uh, when in the middle of Yeshua's teaching, and this this happened pretty frequently. Uh, someone would stand up and question him. And uh, in this case, in Luke 10, it says a lawyer, that would be a scribe, 
uh, stood up and questioned him and asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Right. And he says to, to the scribe, Sell he says, all you have. What does, it, what does it say in your law? How yeah. do you say it? Yeah. Yeah. It, it actually says in your Bible, it says, how is it written? But actually it says, how do you say it? Because the Jews said it twice every day. And he said, and it's hmm. the Shema. And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind, all your soul and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And Yeshua says, that's right. You've answered right. Do this and you'll live. And he says, ah, but who is my neighbor? He's trying to catch him again. And that leads to a whole parable that you know as the Good Samaritan. But this is the process that is constantly going through. And now he finally... He is just confronting them head on and, you know, he's telling them that you are guilty of all of the blood, the shedding of the blood of the prophets. And then he says in verse 34, therefore, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city that upon you may fall the guilt of all the righteous blood shed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Now, one of the things we say, and I'll, I'll let you unpack this here in a second, but... How many times and how many people, how many Christians, how many pastors in the church have read this passage and they look at this and they'll say, you know, the guilt, all of the righteous bloodshed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah. And we look at that and we're all, oh, okay, Abel and Zechariah, that's from A to Z, right? Yeah. <laughs> that A to Z, that this is our American perspective. Oh, it, it, this is everybody. It's mm. the complete alphabet. It's all of that. Mm. And we drive by, we don't do any more investigation, and we miss what Jesus is trying to say right here. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, are we, what are we missing? Yeah, he's, he's responding to their, to their response that they would never have shed the blood of the prophets and he says, I'm sending you prophets and wise men and scribes. Uh, those are the disciples that he is going to send out. Um, and those who are going to teach and evangelists and pastors that followed. And he says, I'm sending these to you. And some of them you're going to kill and crucify. And some you're going to flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town. This took place. And then he goes on in verse 35 to say, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berchiah. Now, the interesting thing is, is that if, if we just read that and don't dig a little bit deeper, uh, we miss some things that, uh, you know, really give us a, good meaning of this because you know first of all where is uh where is it well first of all let me let me ask you folks who are listening let me ask you this uh what is the first book in your bible and of course i think everybody would say genesis genesis the first book and what is the last book in your hebrew scriptures in the old testament what's the last book malachi malachi and that's the way it's laid out 
but that was not so in Yeshua's day. Uh, it wasn't laid out like that. In fact, the Hebrew scriptures, uh, if you look at what, what we call a Tanakh, that's, uh, that's what we call the Old Testament, uh, but the Jewish people call it the Tanakh. Uh, it's, it, 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 those are consonants for Torah, Nevi'im, and Ketuvim, the law, the prophets, and the writings. And the entire Old Testament is laid out, the first book being Genesis, the last book being Chronicles. And so the Bible that Jesus had was from Genesis to Chronicles. And the, when he talks about the righteous blood of Abel, that is obviously in what book? That would be Genesis. That, that it takes place in Genesis. And, and really the first blood, right? The like first the first blood, bloodshed right. was, was Abel. Yeah. And then when he talks about the blood of Zechariah, uh, that is actually recorded in Second Chronicles chapter 24. Mm-hmm. And, se- and Chronicles, they didn't have a Second Chronicles, it was just Chronicles. Um, but Chronicles was actually where the Hebrew Scriptures ended. That was the last book of the Bible uh, that Yeshua used. And so what he's saying is you are guilty from all of the blood, from the beginning of Scripture to the end of Scripture, from beginning to end, you could say from A to Z, but the real meaning of it is from the first book to the last book, throughout the entire Scripture, you are guilty of that blood. Uh, It's the entire first act, and if he was saying it to us today, he might say from Genesis to Malachi. Well, oh yeah, well even, yeah, to Revelation, because we're in a different era, right, in a different epoch. But yeah, it, it would have been, it would have made more sense to them if they had today's Bible, let's just say the first act, that he would say from Genesis to Malachi, but he's not saying that. He's he's naming the characters, and he is saying these are the people, and you are guilty of all of their blood. And I think they would have had an understanding of what he was talking about from beginning to end. Yes, there was um, there was no doubt for them. They knew exactly what he was saying. It's it's us who need to kind of fill in the blanks a little bit on this. Yeah, and I and he ends that. Well, he he doesn't. That's not the total end of the passage, but he says, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. And when he's talking about this generation, historically, this was the generation that is going to experience just the utter destruction of Jerusalem and the burning of the temple in 70 AD. And uh, this is judgment that is falling. The offer of the kingdom has been rescinded from this generation. And that goes all the way back to Matthew chapter 12. It wasn't that it was taking place right here, but the rejection of the Messiah actually took place in Matthew 12. And the offer of the kingdom then is rescinded from this Jewish generation. Now let's not make the mistake of believing that now since he rescinded that offer of the kingdom, he has now offered the kingdom to the church. That's not what took place. Right. The church, God has two chosen people on the earth right now, uh, and one is Israel and one is the church, and the church has a completely different uh, commission. They are actually commissioned people. Uh, Israel is his covenant people, and the church are his commissioned people, and he is going to re-offer that kingdom 
to another Jewish generation, it'll be the one coming out of the tribulation. And so uh, the lament over Jerusalem that he has in verse 37 makes sense in light of that. And, I mean, and, and let's, let's hit that in a second, and we're going to make a, a quick pivot here, but all of that is in light. And if we could just absorb this first part of what we're trying to talk through, this is Jesus coming after the Pharisees, and he's saying, you are missing it. You have missed it. You are missing it. And because of this, the next thing that Jesus is about to do, it makes all of the sense in the world once you have this as context. chapter 23, and Yeshua is, is lamenting over Jerusalem. And he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. He, he is kind of repeating the same thing that he has just gone through with the religious leaders. He said, How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not, you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. Interesting uh, play on words here because uh, Yeshua always referred to the temple as his father's house. That's right. Now, all of a sudden, after all of this, he's saying it's your house. Your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Or now, Baruch Habab Hashem Adonai. That's right. It, it, it's interesting because the heart of Jesus in this conversation, I mean, he's really given it to him, right? He's, he's just read them the riot act, but he, he also says, how often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and, and you were unwilling. It goes back to, to Psalm 91 is this reference, right? It says, he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. It, it's always been his, his longing, his desire uh, to be able to bring his people underneath his wings. But if, you, if you've ever seen a mother hen and the baby chicks... It, it's like herding cats, right? You're not going to be able to get them. What, what the mother, the, the hen has to do is lift the wings and the babies have to come underneath yeah. um, the protection. And so he says, how often, how often, how many times have I wanted to gather you underneath my wings? It says, but you were unwilling. You were unwilling, yeah, yeah. You know, and... and it didn't have to come to this. He didn't. Yeah. This no. is this they, is not what he wanted to happen. They were supposed to know the time and the day. They could they could pinpoint it right to the exact day that the Messiah was going to come. And in fact, another scripture in Luke, uh, where he is, it records again his weeping over Jerusalem. Uh, it says, when he drew near the city and saw it, he wept over it, saying that you, even you, 
had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another uh, in you, and here it is, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Yeah, my version what says... What is he referring to? You did not recognize the time of your visitation. He's yeah. referring to uh, an event that would take place some 40 years later. It was the destruction of right. the temple. Well, that that's, that's prophetically, that's what's coming. But historically, when he talks about you didn't know uh, this, the time of your visitation, what is he looking back at? He's looking at Daniel. He's looking at Daniel, Daniel chapter 9. And Daniel gave really laid out in his vision the exact day that the Messiah would come in the, in the prophecy of the 77s. Don't have time to go into that right now. But, but boy, would you love to, wouldn't oh, you? Man. <laughs> but, they, but they should have known the day of their visitation. That's exactly what he's talking about. Uh, he, he referred to Daniel. He's going to refer to Daniel again in Matthew 24 uh, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Yeah, wouldn't you love to get into that too? Yeah. 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 It's, <laughs> I'm just going to put you so in a room with into. a bottle of Manischewitz and just let you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's doing it. This is what he's saying. He's saying to the, the Pharisees and the, the prophets and, or the, the, the Pharisees and the scribes, and he's saying, you're missing it. Um, and, and so he's talking to a generation of people who had the Messiah, the Messiah that they were waiting for, the Messiah that Isaiah had prophesied, all, all of these Old Testament prophets, they missed it. He's standing right there in front of they them. They had him live in their midst right there. Yeah. That's why in Matthew chapter 12, the sin that they are committing is the unpardonable sin Yeah. because they had him right there in their midst live heard every word that he was teaching uh, in, in the original, never mind translations. It, it's, it's one of those moments where it's like, well, Yeshua, couldn't you have made it just a little bit more obvious? They, <laughs> but they missed it. He, he's performing miracles. He's healing the sick. He's, he's teaching them, and, and they, they constantly are asking these questions. Like, by what authority does this man have like such great wisdom? He's doing all of these things, and you think like, should he have like just started to float or like pull something back and rays of light hit them in the eyes? But yeah. they totally missed it. Yeah. yeah. And you look at that generation and then you look at the generation that we have alive today. Right? If if those folks two thousand years ago, they should have known this the day of their visitation. What about us in our generation today? Yeah. Well, given the fact, and this was one of the things that convinced me of the truthfulness of the Messiahship of Yeshua, was the fact of fulfilled prophecy. Okay, you just said a mouthful. The Messiahship of Yeshua, what does that mean? That Jesus is the Messiah of Israel. The prophesied, the awaited Messiah. This is, this is the one we were waiting for. There is not going to be another one who is going to come. All of the prophecy pointed to him. And when I heard the prophecy, when it was shared with me, and then I dug into the scripture and looked up so much more prophecy, I came to the conclusion that this is something that's taking place outside of where we live, outside of our time domain. Uh, this Somebody is telling us 
what was going to happen, and it happened, and it has to be God. And so at that point, uh, I became convinced uh, out of my agnosticism that uh, there, there is a God, and he did send his son, the Messiah, and it is Yeshua. And so you talk about today, we have enough prophecy still to be fulfilled looking forward to today in the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's probably about 300 prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled, but as we look at the events that are unfolding in our world around us, uh, we can see that the stage is being set and things are getting lined up and prepared for those final battles that are going to take place on the earth here and in preparation of his return to his people Israel to fulfill his promises to his covenant people. Go to Israel today and you will hear the cry of the Israelis, of the Jewish people today. They will say, we want Mashiach, we want Mashiach now. We want the Messiah. We are waiting for the Messiah. We want him now. We want him now. And what we have to tell them is, you missed him already. He already came once and we have to be ready when he comes again. Um, and that's that's not only the cry of our people or what we are crying out to our people, but we're also trying to make sure that those in the church, the Christians in the church, are prepared and are waiting because a lot of them are have gone asleep. Even just like the last podcast we just did, Waiting as a Bride, we are called to be waiting for this prophesied, this promised Messiah. Um, and if we miss that in this season, uh, and it's important to remember, like in this Christmas season, it's far more about a baby that was born in a in a manger, you know, with all the animals and the angels. Great. It's awesome. And it, it, it fulfills all kinds of prophecy. Um, but we are also supposed to be living in the light of his return. And we cannot miss that. We cannot be missing that day when he will return uh, on, on this next visitation. Yeah. You're looking right. something up. Well, I was trying to... Oh, here. I'm, I'm trying to wrap us up and you're trying to look something <laughs> up. You're going to give us hey, another 10 minutes, aren't well, you? You can't help yeah, it. Maybe two or three. All right. You know, we're talking about the return of the Messiah, and the prophet Hosea told us to be ready because uh, in Hosea chapter 5, and this is God speaking, he says, I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face, and in their distress earnestly seek me. And so... What he is saying, this is God speaking, he says he's going to return to his place. Well, in order to return to his place, he had to have first left his place. Is there any time in history that you can think of where God left his place? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when the Messiah came, uh, God in human flesh to this earth. And he says, until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. Uh, that terminology is singular and it's specific. There was one guilt that they need to acknowledge and that is the guilt of the rejection of the messiah when he was in their midst right and that's that's that language of I, you will not see me until you say baruch Hashem Adonai, right that there there is a that that we are waiting for that day where they acknowledge right. the king and that they will know who he is they yeah. acknowledge their guilt and they move forward yeah yeah Did, so was, was that it did that's you it. hey see I told you two minutes Wow, I am impressed. We're not usually that good with that kind of stuff. But <laughs> hey, uh, that was a lot. Um, Merry Christmas, everybody. 
<laughs> this is this is not your typical uh not a typical Christmas message. Yeah, maybe a good thing that it's, we're not. It's, it's more like oi to the world. Uh, hey, I think we're having a Hanukkah card that's going to yeah. come out like that. Yeah. Shoot us an email. We'll uh, send you our Hanukkah card this year. It'll be a little oi to the world. But um, well, hey, uh, hopefully, uh, that, there was a lot in there. Matthew 23, uh, we looked at Luke 19, um, but we are looking, and, and really we're looking, are you waiting for the Messiah? Um, the Jewish people are waiting, but they've missed the first coming, and for those of us who are celebrating and in this season remembering uh, the coming of the birth of the Messiah, um, we are still waiting for that return and that day. Um, so... There are things that you can do. Uh, we want to let you know that we have a little Hanukkah series coming up. So not only is this the season of Christmas, the birth of Jesus, this awaiting, this Advent, the coming, um, but we also, in our homes, we celebrate Hanukkah. And it's actually looking at this time between Act 1 and Act 2. Right. We call them the not-so-silent 400 years in yeah. between. Yeah. And if we didn't have Hanukkah... We would not have Christmas. There's a lot I'm going to choke over here. Um, But we are launching a a little mini-series for y'all on uh, what to do. uh, How can you celebrate Hanukkah in your Christian home? And it's not a once and done, but this is something that you can do as part of your your rhythm and pattern every single year. Well, it just fits right into the birth and the coming of the Messiah the first time, because really, if... There was no Hanukkah, and there was no defeat of Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, who was a type of somebody we'll talk about later. Uh, then there wouldn't have been any Christmas. All right, that's all you can say. That's all I can yeah, say. You gotta wait. I'm mean, cut uh, off. Yeah. So you uh, you can check that out. You can go to thejewishroad.com/slash eight nights. The number eight nights, and we would say slash Hanukkah, but nobody can spell it. So. Everybody would go to all kinds of different ones, so we just made it real simple. Eight nights, um, and that's that's how you'll be able to find it. Sign up, and we'll actually walk you through eight days or eight nights of, of celebrating. We'll make it real simple for you to celebrate in your home. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening. Uh, check out more. You can listen to other podcasts. We'll have some stuff. You can check us out on social media, at The Jewish Road. We're on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and all the other fun stuff. Um, But thanks for listening, uh, and stay tuned for more. More is certainly on the way. And until next time, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Remember to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Shalom. Shalom.